Welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. Peace, Peace, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson, and Hubs over here, Substantial. Peace, peace. Today's guest is, we're so honored to have him. Um, he is an audio creative. He's an audio production professor, as well as sound designer and audio engineer. Please welcome our special friend, Mr. Kyle Murdoch. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, thank you all for having me. It's been it's been awesome. And uh, full disclosure, I was saying before we started the uh, record that my audio might sound a little subpar. I was trying. I just got this new setup in my and obviously didn't do a good job testing it. But thankfully, I got a backup mic. And you know, regardless, we gonna have a good conversation. We're gonna have oh, a yeah, great time. Sure. We're gonna have a great time. They know for your sure, skills, man. and if they don't know, they learn <laughs> Look, hey, look, so for those who are just tuning in, so pre-show, pre we're catching up, and I'm, like, showing them things in the studio. So when you saw the crazy lighting in the background, it was nothing that was related to the show. It was a conversation that I just forgot to, yeah, so I just wanted to point that out. Okay, someone was like, what is what's up? going on? What right, what doing? is happening today? Well, welcome, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Artistry. As we said, Kyle Murdoch is here with us today. Yes, and we are going to talk about his creative journey and what a journey it has been. We've, mm -hmm. you know, all Three, of us, as we said, <laughs> all of us have been experiencing some um, interesting times. Yes. And, yes, um, you know, but staying busy at the same time. I mean, full disclosure, like when we decided on doing this, this show, this podcast, um, we re referred to Mr. Murdoch, Professor. Um, we checked <laughs> in with Professor and asked him, you know, for some advice and some resources, and he was more than helpful. So we mm -hmm. are so happy to have him on the show today. Yeah. Hey, anytime. I mean, we we go back. I, you know, I've been a fan of Stan stuff for. I mean, we're peers, so I mean, like, even though I didn't know Stan really until almost a decade ago, I knew of his music. And he's a good, I mean, and there's so many parallels, you know, family dude to just doing music. Uh, so, yeah, anything y'all need, I got you. No problem. We appreciate, appreciate you, man. I was just telling her earlier how far we go back. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> it hit me up. I think the first time we got in contact with each other, I was still actually living in uh, Brooklyn, New York. That's um, crazy. First reached out, you know, so that was like at least 2006, something like that. Yeah, I, I remember, well, yeah, it, was, it might have been through MySpace, which is probably- Oh, wow, further back, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I got a, a record, one of your records in the mail from Q and 5 at the time. Wow. Yeah, was it, it might have been a sacrifice? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, because I was like, yo, who is this, who is this black dude doing the, uh, the Black Samurai thing on the front? <laughs> Like look like he about to commit seppuku with the you know what right. I mean? But, <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but then you know I, I found out your uh your connection to Ninja Badge and everything. I mean it was you know so I was a fan and, and then I knew algorithm who was producing with you and stuff. So yeah, I mean it's a small world. DC is not that big, so right. yeah. It's not so let's talk, let's take it back. So you have been obviously in the in the industry for quite some time. This has been a right. career that you continue to develop. But when was the first time that you were exposed to the arts? Oh man, uh, to I guess even like a lot of people like growing up, my um, just like being around my family and they they were always playing like certain records and stuff. And my uncle was like a he was kind of a local celebrity DJ. He started the Quiet Storm format on WHUR back in the 70s. Um, so if you ever see Melvin Lindsay, that's my uncle. So wow. I, I grew up, I wanted to be like him. Like I was like, I want to be like my uncle. He seems cool. He's on like radio. He was on BET with Donnie Simpson way early in the game. And people always said I kind of favored him. So um, I was like, yeah, I'll shoot. I want to be like my uncle. I want to be, be in the arts and stuff. But obviously my path took me down one, as opposed to being in front of the microphone, I got really into the technical side, mm -hmm. so I was behind the mic, and then as opposed to my uncle who grew up listening to a lot of soul, hip hop was kind of my thing. So um, yeah, that just translated being in college, 
just like a lot of people just doing demos and, and trying to be like the, the fifth member of a child called Quest. I, I always, that was like a dream. Um, yeah. Just stood into making demos and, you know, uh, just doing music. And, and here we are 20, 20 some years later, which is crazy. So. And what's great about it too is I, I don't think people realize how instrumental, how essential rather, um, those in engineering are. Because, you know, when yeah. you hear music on the radio, they're hearing the vocalist or the, you know, they're hearing, they might hear the beat. But right. they don't know about all the background to get to this point, to show, you know, how the sound, how you hear it in your ear, in your radio, in your speaker, all was done by somebody, was created by someone. And it, so was, it was definitely, uh, uh, you know, like, yeah, studying that stuff, like reading the, the uh, back in the day when you used to buy CDs and buy albums and reading the liner notes and seeing who engineered what. Like you used to see like a lot of the, on the roots and Tropical Quest, Bob Power, this white guy, hippie dude from like who's in his 60s, used to be the one engineering all this great hip hop and neo soul. And I was like, nice. wow, it's just crazy to think like, you know, with, without him and then hearing about these guys talk about him, I was like, your favorite record wouldn't have sounded like right. your favorite record. So. Right. Absolutely. It's very important. Speaking of style, so how would you say what contributed to your unique style? I mean, because I know you've done, you've produced for others. Like, how would you say um, you've developed that? I would say my, well, I always say my style is, it's, it's corny to say, but it's like Neo Sonic, I was like new sound, like I was just trying to be different. But it really is the idea of just taking something that you heard and maybe putting a spin on it. And I'm really into like a lot of like, like not spacey, but kind of like like production. Those have been like the people I like like a lot. Like growing up, my favorite producers were like DJ Spinner and I really like Nicolay and like people like that. And even the the jazz I listened to wasn't like the straight ahead bop like Miles Davis and Coltrane. I was listening to a lot of Return of Forever and just like Orchestra, Van Gelis, like people who are like, um, like prog rock and you know more synthesized stuff, yes. but jazzy. And I think that just kind of like spilled into what because I was sampling a lot of that stuff, and then I just got into that. I'm really into the idea of like space and you know, but it's all hip hop. Like I feel like it got a whole well, hopefully knock. You know what I mean? So right. yeah. You grew up in the DMV, right? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm DC. DC. So with DC being with the soundscapes that you were exposed to between the metro and just you know the city, the hustle and bustle of the city, mm -hmm. how much would you say is the has the environment contributed to or inspired you? More of the people than I guess this. Well, yeah, the sound too, because it's nothing like like even up until last year before COVID just shut the world down. Like I really thrive on my day to day was always like on the metro, like going to Howard and working there and then going to teach at American or do my master's stuff and then going to Cal. I was all over the DMV at certain points. So I like the hustle and bustle of the DMV. Um, obviously, if you listen to my stuff, you don't hear really like go-go stuff. I like go-go. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to some high school with a couple guys in this group who were in the, called the Hucklebucks way back in the day. Yeah. yeah. But mm -hmm. so, I mean, and obviously being from DC, you know the importance of Charlie, like Chuck Brown and Soul Searchers and all that stuff, how that came about. But I would say it's been more of the people, like when I met Wes, Wes W. Ellison Felton and Raheem and um, Raw Poetic, who I've been working with uh, as Panacea, like those people and like that kind of, that sound, I guess has been like, and maybe like the indie band scene has been more of an influence because I saw that was like a big thriving thing here, you know? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's great. Cause I, I know you mentioned, um, you know, with Raheem, you know, being from DC, oh, yeah. um, you've worked, you've worked with quite a few folks. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then let's talk about your experience with Raucous Records as well. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I always laugh because it's like, I tell people, I was like, you know, not, not like that adage, be careful what you wish for. But I mean, at the same time, my goal was always, Stan, I'm sure you can uh, attest to this too. Like you have a certain, by a certain age, you're gonna, this is what I'm gonna do. So for me, it was like, okay, by the time I'm 25, I'm gonna be signed to somewhere. I'm gonna be doing music. And the rockets thing happened right when I turned, actually I was a year, I was like 25 going on to 26. But it was, the, I was so ecstatic because I grew up 
in high school and college listening and buying like Black on Both Sides and Feral Munch's album and Black Star. I mean, like, so to be signed to Rockets and to be one of the groups that was supposed to usher in the, the, the second wave of Rockets, right. I was, this is like amazing to me. Like, I was saying, I don't care how much money we have to give up, like, to have that record, that razor blade on the back of my records was so cool until it happened. And I was like, oh, we got a really bad deal. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? So, but. I don't take it for granted. It, it looks great on the resume. I can say we're signed to Rockets and um, met a lot of the people who were on Rockets at the time, like uh, the OG artists from from doing radio. And no, I wasn't the only one from talking to them. They're like, "Don't worry about it." Like we didn't really have the greatest time in hindsight either at Rockets. But I don't take it for granted. It's part of my story, so it is what it is. You know. Right. 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 Yeah, kind of uh, moving on to some of the other folks that you collaborated with. Um, you know, you already mentioned. Uh, um, I know you were talking about uh, raw poetic, right? And uh, Mega Ram, man. Let's uh, dive. <laughs> how how did you like connect with these brothers? Um, and you know, and I'm gonna throw up some uh, some cover art that maybe you recognize, man. Uh, okay. Deep into that. Um. Well, I guess um, it's the funny thing about Raw Poetic and Mega Ram is that I both of them are from almost the same section of Philly, mm -hmm. which is kind of around. I was like, damn, there must be something in the water because I believe they're from the same area that Black Thought is from. And I was like, no, by no means, I don't want to blow up whatever and say Raw Poetic and, and Mega Ram are on the level. But in my eyes, they're, they're like two of my favorite MCs. And I was like, they, they come from a long cloth of dope Philly MCs. Yeah. So sure. the way I met Raw Poetic was through a homie of mine. I was working at XM Radio and I was producing music like more neo soul stuff for Raheem and West Ellington. Felton. And, um, and I was like, yo, I want to do more hip hop stuff. So my, my boy Corey KB was like, yo, my roommate raps. He's in a band and he's, oh my God, he's, <laughs> looking, he's looking to do some music. So he put me in contact with uh, Jason and Raw Poetic. And I gave Jason a beat CD. And it's funny because I gave him what I thought he liked. And then the Tim track I put on there, I'll never forget. I was like, I'm just going to do the style I like. And ironically, the, the one track that he really liked, which became like the first song we ever did, Bird Feather, uh, was the track that like he gravitated to the most. And then I was like, wow, this dude is a little different. Like he wants to try some different stuff. So he's the one who kind of pushed me sonically to try a lot of the crazy stuff I tried. And, um, the album you have up is actually the last album we did in 2010. We mm -hmm. did our 12 step program. Shout out to my, my homie Rodrigo Pradell, did the art for that. And he actually did the art that's hanging behind me, too. Oh, um, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's out there. Like, but I wanted Panacea to kind of be that way. I wanted Panacea is like just as much influenced by like the native tongues as it is by video games and like Final Fantasy. Matter of fact, that was the MySpace. Catchphrase is like when Final Fantasy meets the Tropical Quest, which I'm sure a lot of people are like, what the f is this? Like, right. but I mean, it was just different, you know. What I mean, it definitely didn't sound like DC, um, but you know, for those who rock with it, um, you know, they know, and I, I appreciate those who did, you know. Yeah. So, and then Mega Ran, same thing. I met him working at XM Radio, uh, just like I, I met and got your music stand. Mm. He sent me. Um, one of his records he was doing at the time called The Call. And he also sent his Mega Ran album. And to be honest with you, it could have been a 50-50 thing because when I first saw the cover to the Mega Ran album, I'm like, yo, who is this black dude who put, like, took the iconic Mega Man character and made him black? Like, that joint was about to become a coaster. But I just so happened to listen to it on my way home. And I was like, yo, this is so ill. So yeah, we did, um, after two years of kind of going, talking through the internet and sending music, in 2010, we released Forever Famicom. And yeah, man, like Raheem has become one of my best friends, like a uh, frequent collaborator. I know you and him have now like, you know, collaborated and he's just a good dude. When you meet good people, you just gotta keep them in your circle. So oh, yeah, for sure, man. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. yeah so, <laughs> that's crazy seeing these, it's crazy. <laughs> I'm so old just seeing something. Both of these albums came out in 2010. I'm like, damn, people are like, yo, you haven't done anything else? I'm like, no, I have, but it just so happened those are like some of the more talked about records. Yeah, those are iconic records, man. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, you know, when when 
when we're talking about you, I, I like basically um, I said to Rochelle earlier, I was like, you know, there's no way to have a conversation with you without bringing up those two records. Right, right. Like it's like talking with me and then not talking about Nujabes for at least a few minutes, right? Right, like, right, right. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, and and so I was telling um, Shell, part of what brought me to you to to master one of the Bop Alloy records was um the twelve step program, and it was Odyssey, Odyssey, and I was working on Home Is Where the Art Is, and um and we were talking about who we were going to get the master, um and you know he was uh. Um, or, or who was mastering some of his stuff and what he was thinking about. And he mentioned you. And I was like, oh, I know Kyle. You know what I mean? I know K-Murdoch, you know? And so... That's uh, crazy. I, I never knew that. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. And so when he mentioned that, like, I I can't remember if we... um we I don't think we ended up uh, using you for that record, but right, I right, knew. Right. I was like, look, whether we use him or not for this, I got plenty of work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. So, you know, I knew I wanted it to... small world, man. Yeah, I yeah. to Amir, man. I, I got some some funny stories. Like I just remember, I mean, before he was, you know, I mean, shout out to Odyssey. He's definitely, it's yeah. amazing to see his journey. But mm -hmm. I remember him like coming home from work at XM, and he was good friends with uh, Marshall Law, who was also in low budget, and was my roommate at the time. And, and Odyssey would be on my house playing my PlayStation. Like mm -hmm. he's a big gamer. So uh, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Amir, man. That's dope. Yeah, man. It's a small, yeah. DMV, DMV really does um, yeah, once support you, once you know one. So, yeah, 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 for sure. You know, but speaking of which, so being raised in DMV, but you went to school. You went to Howard. You didn't want to go away. Or was Howard something you always? Yeah. Well, it's funny about Howard because my mom went there, my dad went there, mad people in my family. So it's kind of like, not like yo, you going to Howard, but also my mom was. When she graduated from Howard, she started working at Howard. So at that point, when I came, she was already like 15 or 20 years into working there. And so she was, she was like, you can come to Howard. All I had to pay was enrollment. I didn't have to pay any. Like, so that was another reason I went. Like, yeah. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have to worry about student loans being buried in that for years. Right. So I went and got a great education, which I think also kind of lit the fire under my butt to be like, okay, I'm majoring in communications. And, and that's one of those, like, you know, like I would meet people on the football team is like, yeah, I'm majoring in communications, but I'm really trying to get to the league, dog. Right. right. But for me, I was like, well, I ain't going into no league, at least unless it's a league of engineers. So I got to get a job. Like, right. So the, so the onus was on me to really take my time at Howard and really be serious. And um, that's why I was interning everywhere. I worked at WPGC. WHUR, WBFW. I mean, I was like damn near, uh, you know, not to not to be cliche with it, but I, I had some Jamaican in me, you know what I mean? I said, what? You got three jobs. Yeah, I got three jobs. People used to laugh and say that about me. There was a guy who was actually from uh, Guyana. He used to be like, man, how many jobs you got, boy? Like, and I was like, man, I'm just, to, I'm just trying to like not live on my mom's house. Like, I thought, you know? right. so, yeah, it's funny. That's funny. <laughs> How was that program? How was it being? I mean, granted, with the historical relevance and having right. the legacy with your both of your parents being there. Mm -hmm. How was your experience? It was it was awesome. I mean, for me, uh, it was a little personal just because, like I said, I wanted to emulate my uncle who also went to Howard and started the Quiet Stone while he was a student. So I felt like a little bit of like, okay, I need to. Obviously, I knew I wasn't gonna go and try to emulate and like create a new format because by then there was there was already hip hop formats. Wow. But like, I really wanted to be on the radio, and I definitely remember one of the the kind of like life changing conversations I had. I was working at WPGC. I was interning for Big Tigger as his like uh, I was basically his production person yeah. uh, for the last two years, and. I had an opportunity to record a demo, like an on-air, uh, what they call an air check demo of me, like, hey, this is, I, I don't know what I was calling myself, I'm like, hey, this is Kay, I don't think I was Kay Murdoch, I was like, hey, this is Kyle Murdoch, you're listening to whatever, so I was like, introing and, and what they call back-selling or talking about songs, like, acting like I was on the radio, and right. I played with the program director of the show, and he was like, I'll never forget this, he looked at me, he was like, you know what? You're not your uncle. He was like, you know, I think you need to just stay in production. He was like, you know, like, 
kind of just like, it was almost like it could have killed my dreams. I was like, yo, like, I, I've spent a lot of time doing this demo. And for you to just straight up say, like, you're not your uncle, I was like, damn, that's like cold hearted, man. But um, I just took it as motivation. And I, like I said, I kind of started getting more into the production side. But um, yeah, I, I, being a Howard was awesome. I wouldn't have got my job at XM without being a Howard because my teacher made for one of our, our final projects, like a field goal trip. Uh, she was like, you all been reading about them building satellite radio stations mm -hmm. the last year. You know they're building one that's in walking distance to Howard down on Eckington Street. So she was like, matter of fact, for, for you an assignment, I want everyone in this class to march down to XM and apply for an internship. So like mm -hmm. of the first 20 interns at XM Radio, 15 wow. of them were all in my advanced radio production class. That's and great. We all got hired, which is crazy. So yeah. That's wow. awesome. That's, yeah. That's awesome. Dope. That's yeah. Dope story. Yeah. yeah, man. And, uh, you know, just going back to, um, you know, the your educational experience, um, since you just mentioned it, um, you know, congrats on uh, getting your master's for audio technology from American University. Yeah. Super yeah. Cool, man. Um, I just wanted to really hear from you and uh, obviously share this with the listeners, like how important has education been to your musical journey? And like, and how do you feel like it shaped you creatively uh, versus professionally? It's It's been like germane, man, in, in the sense of like, I've learned so much, even just from doing this course, because everyone's like, oh man, it's gonna be a layup for you. Like you do this stuff already. Like even mm -hmm. the I had in American were like, what am I gonna teach you that you don't know? And I was like, well, look at this. And like this I was like, one, I'm paying for this. So I'm like, I'm gonna learn something. Right. <laughs> on top of that, I was like, I have my ways of doing stuff, and it's awesome to see other people, like how they approach doing stuff. That's like simple stuff, like tracking a vocal, mixing a record, setting up a, a you know a studio. I was like, I have my ways of doing stuff that maybe after I look at the way you do stuff, I'm like, man, like I could have been doing it a lot more streamlined all these years. So you know, you can never stop learning, and even even teaching. Like, tell people I was like I've learned so much from like the students who come in my class like not only like the cool slang but I mean just like interesting ways that they DIY and approach stuff that like when I teach them it's the same thing it's like man I never knew there was a better way to do this but thanks for showing me and I was like man I never knew there was another way to do this like thank you for showing me too so I, I think whether it be a Howard, whether it be an American, like I'm always looking like a sponge. Like it's kind of like sampling. Like I'm always sampling other people's stuff, right. uh, you know, and, and then, then taking that and putting it in my toolbox of like stuff I can use to create. So um, I definitely think it, it's helped me professionally because now with the masters, I can command a couple more thousand dollars, you know what I mean? If I was teaching anywhere. And then personally and creatively, it's definitely helped me because now. I know more hacks and, and ways to like get from A to B or A to Z quicker uh, because of information I've been able to glean from like taking these classes. So it's been it's been awesome, man. I'm very thankful for the uh, the opportunities. Yeah. How would you say being how has um being a student um, <laughs> you be a, a better professor as well? Because you've taught you say you taught at at Howard. Right. Um. I. I Patience. I learned a lot of patience. I learned, especially over the last like two semesters with it all being online, I was teaching and I was I was taking classes. So to be honest with you, there were classes I was taking from people and I was like, yo, I need to employ that strategy in my own teaching. So sometimes I would just do that. Like I would see, oh, okay, they're using this like app and stuff. And like I'm like attentively taking notes and sometimes not just on what they're teaching, but how they're teaching it. And saying how, like, how can I employ that again, using that whole hip hop sampling mentality? How can I sample that and make it my own? Uh, but also, I'm, you know, like any any good person who does hip hop, you gotta attribute and show props. So I don't act like I just created this stuff. I'm like, someone asked me, I'm like, I learned this from so-and-so. If you really wanna know, more you need to talk to the original og author of this so i'll do whether it be an artist or a teacher i, I do the same thing so yeah yeah what you say has been in throughout your career what would you say has been the most challenging for you 
Um, I guess like uh, learning when to what learning when to say no because I'm the type to be like I want to do it all like and I think learning learning when it's like I can't I can't do it all so I'm like now I'm very one track minded in the sense of like if I'm doing one project I'm only doing one project and but I always felt like man I'm gonna miss out on the opportunity and especially if it's something I'm like I kind of know how to do it but man it says a lot that the person is thinking of me so I'm gonna say yes and then I'm gonna go and study my, you know, what off to find out how to really do it. And but in the meantime, sometimes I've done that, and I feel like I've done it, but I've been burned out, or I've did it, and I'm like, man, I could have done it a lot better if I just probably said no and just waited on another opportunity to come around because I feel like I didn't give it my all, or like it creatively it burnt me out to the point I'm like, man, I I just need to chill for a while and not do anything. So I think for me it was just learning how to pace myself. And again, just like learning how to take stuff in moderation, um, you know. So I guess it's a good problem, but you know, you're only human, man. So I just, I just tell people, it's like, take your time with stuff and just know your limits, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because you're also, as a family man, you're a husband. Right. On, on top of that, right? So. Right. <laughs> my wife is super supportive. Shout out to my wife Jenna. She's like super supportive. I got the best family. I mean, I know y'all know how it goes um you gotta you gotta be able to have each other's backs you gotta be able to support one another so i feel like now my wife has been so supportive of me putting my what i wanted to do at the forefront like i'm always asking her i'm like what do you want to do uh like what what can i do to, to support you the way that you always have supported me so um because i think that's just you can't always have one person in front you need if the whole idea is like to work 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 uh, and walk in lockstep you got to be able to like sometimes you you're in the front sometimes you're in the back but no matter what like it should always be equilibrium you know yeah no absolutely see so listen right <laughs> so so i'm trying to start i'm trying to start this club for house husbands right you know what i'm saying you know so serious? yeah i'm, I'm that oh, okay, okay i believe here this one here, like she, she's cooking up. She just started, uh, so you know, look, we'll go ahead and say it on the show, but she just started uh, classes uh, for NYU uh, film school and stuff. And so, you know, like she's working on a lot of stuff and and it's, you know, I I have no doubt. Stan has it aspirations. Was, oh yeah, aspir I'm trying to be man home with these babies. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you like, you need to start. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. Listen, when they get to a certain point or whatever, and then she's like, all right, babe, I need some music for the drum. I'm like, okay, cool. Then I get a little sitter for then, so I can right. walk. And then I go right back. Ladies, big. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to chill, bro. So look, you and me. You know what I'm saying? Look, you go ahead. Invest that time and energy. Let let them let them do what they gotta do, and we can uh, kick it, son. Yeah, hey, I'm, I'm with it. Women, women are some better juggling stuff. In. I don't know how the hell I got through the last year, because I'm like I said, I'm I can do one thing and I do it really good. But when people are like even talking to me when I'm doing stuff, I'm like a lot of time I can't give it my focus. Right. So I always like defer mad props to usually women because when I'm, I'm like, how is she doing all this? My wife will be you know, juggling all this stuff and doing everything well. And then if she forgets one thing, she like is really hard on herself. I'm like, Jenna, do you know what you just did? Like, I would, this house would burn down, these kids would be emaciated and starving. Like, I don't know, how the hell do you do this? Like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the superheroes, man. Look, you know, we married up, bro. So listen. Yes, yes, we did. Yeah. That's so as a, speaking of which, so as a as a girl dad, how has that been? Um, how has that experience as a fatherhood really um, sort of you know guided your steps? How is it different? Man, it's the the most important. I realized the most important job I have. I mean, obviously, you know, gotta be a provider and all that stuff. But like, it's just being there and just mm. Like whatever, and, and being supportive. Like I luckily grew up with like my mom because of my uncle went and did the arts. Like so, me saying, "Oh, I want to be a radio person." My mom was like, "Okay, like your uncle did it, and he set a precedent." So I feel like I always tell my wife, I was like, "Mom, our daughters can say they want to do anything except be like assassins, which is a bad joke, a bad dad joke." <laughs> How would you even say that? I was like, "It's just a joke." 
But I was like, you gotta be supportive. She's like, what if they want it? And I was like, I'm Jenna, it's not that serious. It's a, it's a bad dad joke. So I'm glad you all are kind of laughing, even if it is like, this dude is horrible. Uh, yeah, right. I got it. I appreciate it. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I just want to be there for them the way that like my mom was there for me. Like, you know what I'm saying? And my my father wasn't always there, but even now, like he's he's like my my relationship with him is so good that and he's very honest. He's like, man, I look at you and the way you're doing it is definitely not the way I did it. But he's like, the way you're doing it is the way like you need to do it. So he's like, if you learn anything from me, learn the way you do, do not do it. Like so, he's very encouraging and he you know. I think the proof is when I look at my daughters, they, they seem to be thriving, they're happy. And I, that's all I can ask for is that they're happy. And again, um, I'm, I'm with them, whatever they want to do. So um, my oldest wants to be right now, uh, she wants to be like Mae Jemison. She wants to be a, she, she's really into STEM and STEAM and stuff. And she wants to be like a ballerina slash astronaut. And my youngest is kind of taking a part of me. She's really into video games, which I'm like, oh God, at four years old, she's like really legit into games. And I, I'm proud of her, but I'm also kind of nervous because I know how it was when I locked in on video games. Like, so, uh, you know, it's just funny. But I mean, that's just part of being a parent. Like, yeah. you know, and uh, y'all know, like raising two girls, it ain't no joke. And, you know, I, <laughs> I yeah, you, could, you know, so uh, my oldest isn't quite where your oldest is yet, but I'm definitely like any 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 words of wisdom and gems you drop. Trust me, I'm there to pick them up because I know you know as a person who's lived the experience. You know? Yeah, yeah, man. And how old is uh, your oldest? Stella will be seven. She was born on New Year's Eve, oh. and my young sibling will be five on September 14th. So. Yeah, when we we had Stella, the the nurse thought it was funny to say she was like, "Well, guys, guess you made that tax break," and we're like, "Tax break?" Like, I get it, but I was like, "Man, I'm just happy she's healthy." And he was like, right. Yeah, but I mean, I was like, at the same time, I was like, "Yeah, I guess we did make it." Yeah. Right. <laughs> Winning. Yeah, that is hilarious. <laughs> oh my goodness! So we're gonna transition a bit. Because you recently were appointed a new position to add to your mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <God>. your catalog, <laughs> your many hats. All the hats. Um, you are now working with Vice New Vice Media. Tell yeah. us about that. How did that come about? What are you doing for them? So, ironically, right after maybe a year after I uh, I applied to um, into this program at American University, I was really hell bent. Like the path I saw myself was like. I was at Howard, I was working in this like faculty administrative hybrid position the last five years where I basically ran um, the student technology center for the school of communications, which is the school I was in. But I also, part of my job was I, I was to teach two classes a semester. So I taught either podcasting or audio engineering. So I was like, well, if I wanna teach and be beyond my position, I'm gonna need to get a master's. And so ironically, after I entered the program, people started approaching me for like, you know, freelance jobs. And one of the jobs I had, I got on this crazy listserv of like people in radio and podcasting. And one day as I'm looking at the listserv, it's like postings and it's like job, Vice Media is building an audio team and looking to hire sound designers. And I was like, wow, Vice, I love Vice. Like they're, they're reporting and everything. So cool, like I love the whole, you know, the vibe of Vice and everything. So I just applied on Alert, and then I was, my wife was like, "Yo, you need to utilize your LinkedIn." So she was like, "You probably know some people at Vice." So I didn't know anyone directly at Vice, but I had friends who were really close friends with like certain people in positions. So I, you know, I, I use LinkedIn, uh, and I, I messaged certain people. And I was like, hey, man, I, I did apply formally for the position, but also just letting you know, like, these are, this is what I do. You can check my LinkedIn profile. And then the head of the audio um, department, shout out to Kate Osborne is her name. She uh, emailed me and was just like, yo, like, you know, like, I'm glad you went through the formalities. I need you to do that. But, like, we, we definitely have, you know, earmarked your resume and you know we'll be in touch and that, you know you never know how that's gonna happen but yeah come the end of summer last year um i got hired like i went through three rounds of interviews and um they hired me and i was like wow and 
It's funny because I've never met in person anybody on my team. They're like in Chicago, LA, a lot of people in Brooklyn where Vice is headquartered. Um, but it's it's been for me a dream gig because you know, like part of my job as a sound designer is everything from mixing episodes to doing music to creating like sound scenes for media on Vice. And I'm like, yo, this is like what I've been doing the last 20 years. So um, it's a it's a dream situation. It's definitely one I'm like, I do not plan on leaving anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'd like I tell people, I was like, just because I'm a master's, it's more of a back pocket thing. Mm-hmm. But when I like segue into that, I'm just thinking for the future. But for now, I'm definitely uh, at Vice and really excited about you know the stuff that I get to do there. It's been it's been awesome. That's so. awesome. I mean, we're fans of, of Vice Media and Vice News and yeah, their reporting sure. as well. Yes. Great. So when we saw when we heard about that, I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, one of the, the cool things is I get to be there and like act as a pipeline now between like HBCUs like Howard and Vice. I mean, because one of the things, even still at Vice, like on my team, there's a lot of people of color, a lot of black women doing big things, but I'm the only black male. And I'm like, it's important when I go back and teach or go to HBCUs to, to be like, yo, do you want to work at Vice? There are people already there who look like us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, it's the, I always say this analogy, it's like when people saw Obama be president, it's like, oh, that's like something attainable now. Right. Yeah. Even if you see me and you're like, well, Professor Murdoch or whatever, you know, like, he's all right, but he's there. So if he can get in, I can get in. So yeah, I'm, I'm, that's what I want to do is like, how can I leverage my role now to get other people to be at the table? So, cause I ain't going to be doing this forever. So I want to try to set up the next generation. Yeah. And again, yeah. you know, I can't emphasize enough the importance of your role, because just mm-hmm. like for instance, when people listen to music on the radio or wherever, you know, or their streaming platform, just like when you watch film, whether it's a TV show, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a feature film, like, Imagine a film without music. Oh man, it was it was yeah. It's like people don't understand that the you know the whole multimedia experience. Like if your audio is trash, <laughs> I don't care how good your visuals are. I mean, a lot of times people are more inclined to deal with bad audio. But right. if your audio is gold, I've seen bad like great audio carry films that weren't shot or edited really great. Yeah. But it's really not the same on the other end. So. Um, yeah. I think that's awesome. I mean, uh, you said you're getting your, like, what is going to be your, your focus in, in film school? So in film right now, I, I love documentaries. Documentaries has always been my okay. screenwriting. So I've been doing that, both of those. Wow. Okay. And look, you are, that's what I'm saying. How, how awesome is this? If you need, like, for, for scoring or music, come on. Yeah. I'm like, y'all almost hey, boy, for at least for a few more years. <laughs> <laughs> Young man, so you know, listen, man. No, man, y'all, y'all let, let me say this, and I said, because I said this to you all. One, I think y'all have great together, like, your voices are awesome. So, like, uh, and then obviously, on top of that, from from noticing how, how you all move as a unit, I think you you all set, like, it's like, I know people probably corny saying it, but like, those are goals, couples' goals, man. I think that's so cool that um, you all work together, and like, you can tell beyond being in a relationship, y'all are friends. And, you know, I just think that's awesome and we need to see more of that. So like, but you know, it's also a testament to the people that we surround ourselves with. Cause mm-hmm. we, we always say, you know, we're not wearing our t-shirts today, but we always have, we have a t-shirt that's <laughs> that's that's dope. Dope. Yeah. because it's true. Like, I mean, with this, even with this platform as a podcast, everyone we've interviewed are people that we're friends with, you know, especially because of the pandemic and we can't physically be in the same space. This allowed us an opportunity to really, you know, um, really get to know our, you know, you know, have friends, you have acquaintances, you have people, but you really don't know their journey. And so having this opportunity to do that has been just instrumental. Yeah. And, and and I feel like it's important. One of the things I teach at, um, you know, like when I when I'm doing classes at Omega School, one of the things that I always talk about, um, oftentimes people when they're trying to quote unquote get on, they always are looking outside of their network. Right. They always are looking at people who they have no relationship with whatsoever and just begging them to put them on, begging them to get them in the door, this, that and the third, instead of looking within and looking right. around, like in their immediate 
circle like and your linkedin yeah right and yeah. so and and so that's what we try to do with this platform like you know like when people are looking at guests like you like oh man it's cool you had him on or like people like when we when we had a verbal on from m right. um you know and i've known that brother 20 plus years he was like yeah back on the day thinking of your album like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so so you know like looking looking to those people closest to us to to you know lift each other up uh promote what folks are doing work together to build things right. you know and i mean i think we talk about community all the time and we talk about unity but that's one of the easiest ways to do it is just looking at that man or woman like right next to you and building something with them mm-hmm. uh, which is exactly what we're doing with our company this podcast and all of that you know yeah and so yeah man well, we'll keep at we need more of it and i mean like yeah it's, it's so many people who always say stuff but one thing i can say about you all is that you all do it and i think at this point in time like you know you can talk all you want but you just gotta you just gotta do it like even myself that's why i i, I signed up and had you did a consultation because i was like dude you know stan is a peer but look, look look where he is and has done i was like i can learn from you all so that's why i signed up i was like teach me some new stuff and I feel like some people just won't swallow that pride, even if they see people as like peers and say, man, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. like that's my boy. And I'm like, dude, you can learn from anybody. You know yeah. what I mean? So anyway. Let that ego come in. But it's funny, Stan had a, a quote that you had actually said about. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. What? What? Right. So you, talk, you mentioned a little bit briefly about it, about, you know, music. You know, it's like. You know your audio if, if it doesn't start from a, a good place but i'll let stan sure sure <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah man so back when we were working uh so uh for those listening we were working on uh it was me and marcus d we oh, were on yeah. uh, um the r remixes yeah. and revisions right uh k murdoch had um a remix on there but we also hired him to um uh, to master the record and so um and you know and when when he finished doing the amazing job that we knew he would do, you know, we thanked them. We were like, man, uh, you know, thank you so much, bro. Appreciate it, man. Sounds great. And then he was like, well, man, you know, it's easy to do when you're working with good quality already. Right. You know, he's like, you know, something, but other people, <laughs> they, you know, they want me to polish shit. And he's like, I can shine it up, but it's still going to be shit. Well, that's so funny that, yeah. <laughs> But uh, the the term I learned in college was gigo, garbage in, garbage out. I'm like, and like, there's no audio wizardry, level of audio wizardry, at least that I know of, and I know of a lot that can make it sound like turn shit, you know, into, into a diamond. I mean, at this point, so I mean, like, yeah, like you all's mixes from Marcus, every, I mean, everything sounded so good. It wasn't like mastering was like awesome because I was like, man, the mixes were great, like you know what I'm saying. So whereas I've had people were like even send me like MP3s, which is the first no no. I was like, why would you send me a complete file? Like, but that's just anyway. I don't want to turn this into like audio geeks. Or no, cool. Because we're, sure we're here to talk about what you. That's <laughs> cool. Right. Speaking of which, so what um what software? What's your go to software? Oh man, I've been using Pro Tools. 1999 so like yeah like, i've been using pro tools for god i mean 22 years 23 so that and um for for a lot of what i do on vice because a lot of times especially now that everyone is like at home or recording there's a you know a lot of times the the audio isn't it might be too noisy i might have artifacts that need to clean up so there's a program called isotope mm-hmm. i-z-o-p-e r-x which is made for audio restoration and cleanup that I use like religiously. So I would say between Pro Tools, that, and then I use um, the Fat the Fat Filter is a company that makes a lot of plugins. I use like pretty much their suite of plugins. They're expensive, but they're like awesome because they, they do the job, but they also, I'm a visual person and I need to be able to, I don't want to just see knobs and faders. I need to see some kind of like graphic equalization or just, you know, like, I think that translates better than when I'm like, especially when I'm teaching and I'm like, oh, I see, I cut this and then I did that. They're like, what? And I'm like, well, let me just show you. And then I raise it up on the screen. They're like, oh, got it. Like, that makes more sense. So I learned that way. And um, I feel, I figure now, especially teaching online, like, uh, that's just the best way. So yeah, but Pro Tools is, is my dog, digital audio workstation of choice. 
and has been for years. But um, yeah. I, I just I just walked away from Pro Tools, man. What do you how, what do you use? Yeah, it's funny. I've been I've been using Pro Tools uh almost about as long as uh you have, right? Maybe okay. um I'm trying to think of where we were living. So maybe like I want to say maybe two years after you, right? Oh. But prior um, I mean, but now um because you know I was doing the bulk of my production in Garage Band and right. everyone, everyone was just like, yo. Like, dude, you just got to upgrade. The oh, magic. Yeah. yeah. So it's a natural progression, uh, especially with the amount of like production work I was starting to do. Um, you yeah, know, man. huh? No, I said, yeah, man. But logic is like, honestly, people in my ear all the time, like, yo, man, Pro Tools is awesome. But if you use like, like logic and Ableton are like the ones that usually. Uh, people either send me sessions from or like when I see them making music, those are the two. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah, yeah. You, use whatever you need to use yeah. to idea out. But I think they're all just tools. Yeah, they're all just tools. And ultimately I think that you know no one can replicate for the most part what is up here. So it's just like Pete Rock said that a long time ago in an interview I had I did with him at XM. He was like, we can all have the SP twelve hundred, but he, he was, you know, he was like, no one's gonna make shit like me because no yeah. one can think about how to break down. And I was like, that's true because, mm-hmm. you know, even even um, the only person I feel like I, I, I not rivals, but has a sound like like Pete Rock is Cat Brown, mm-hmm. and Cat will be like, yo, Pete, yo, know, then Cat talks, he's like, yo, Pete on the SP, man, he just, <laughs> you know, yeah, Cat is like. Kevin is Kevin. I love Kevin. I actually got to meet him a couple years back, and it's funny. Everybody used to say, you know, do their own impression, and I was like, oh my god. Honestly, (laughs) yeah. Yo, Kev is is funny, man. Like he's low, like low key funny. You don't like because he's so chill and so like stoic all the time, like just a straight face. You don't see it coming, and then he just be sliding the jokes in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. He's yeah, he's a funny dude. Yeah, what was the thing he always uh, him and Cambridge? Yo, we getting cracked, you know. Like, like the way he says it, I'm like, one minute he's just so demure, like you said, a stoic. Then he's like, yo, I'm gonna do this, and I was like, <laughs> it's just funny because yeah, Kevin is he's and I mean, on top of the fact that he's an amazing, like I'm like to this day, I'm, I don't know how you did those beats. It was baseline on the NPC. He showed me, but I'm like, it's amazing. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Super talented dude. You know, what advice would you have for um well, at least I mean being a professor, what advice do you usually give your students who are trying to pursue whether it's um, radio broadcasts or being an engineer? Like what advice? What do you what would you say are the tools that or, are like Yeah, or music in general? Yeah. Um okay, music. So I just say if you really wanna like me, I'm not, I have no trained music or formal music like theory or anything. Like, man, if I played you some of my first beats, you'd be like, yo, get the hell out of here. Like, you know, how it is. like, but if I was still making that, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even be talking to you all day, right? So it's like a group. And so prepare to put in those hours. Like people always say, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, the 10,000 hour journey. But I mean, it's, it's for real. Like, if you really want to learn something, sit down, put in the time. Be prepared to have some failures, but no, learn from it. Like, learn why was this bad? Why was this whack? Like, what can you do better? Um, and then beyond that, like, I think this is something that Quincy Jones said to me that actually was echoed when I met uh, W.L. and Felton. He was like, the first step in any artist when you sit down and try to do something is going to be you try to imitate. Then the next step is emulate. Like, you want, you know, you want to try to do it exactly like them. Then the next that natural progression is innovate. Mm-hmm. So when you're at a level, and if you find yourself carving out your own sound, that's really, really when like it's, it can go to a crossroads. You have some people like, oh my God, I'm, I'm creating this stuff and it sounds like awesome. And like they can take that left turn. Or there's some people like, yo, this is probably not gonna fly because I'm such a, I wanna be the next dealer. I wanna be the next DJ premier. And then they just wind up sticking to that. And I feel like they stifle themselves. Oh, yeah. So. Um, WLS and Felton always used to say to me, uh, what did he say? Don't, he said, be afraid to not be you. Don't be afraid to be you. So if you find yourself carving out and being very unique, like embrace it and just like ride it. And I feel like 
me personally, when I met Raw Poetic, that's really when I was like, okay, I'm gonna put these crazy left field changes in my beats. And it was only because I never was good at making like the hot loops that loop around, you know what I mean? Like, so people liked it and he started rhyming on it. And like, it made me comfortable enough to be like, you know what, this is gonna be my style. Yeah. And I apply that kind of, that whole idea, whether I'm producing a 30 second commercial or a three minute song, like I just always like, I'm not afraid to try stuff. Um, and I think not having formal education to a degree probably helps because sometimes I'm like, well, I think that kind of sounds cool, but because I don't know any formal stuff, like I'm not afraid to just try it. You know what I'm saying? Whereas right. certain people I've been told like, they, it's almost like you have a uh, governors on you because you're like, you know, music theory, that's not what you're supposed to do. Right. So I would never do that. Like, so anyway. No, you're, you're right. Cause I think a lot of folks are, you know, when you're classically trained, you know, you, you learn the rules, right? Yes. And so yes. the arts is all about breaking the rules. Like there's, okay, a C is a C, a G is a G, you know what I mean? So. Oh, some of the fantasy stuff was so like not into, like I'm like amazed that we even got a record deal. When I listen to some of that stuff and people break down, I'm like, I'm sorry, man. Like, or like when people try to replay it, they're like, dude, like what pitch was this? Like, this was like in between two notes. Like, how did you make this? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I just made it. It's something me, so like. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the beauty sometimes in not having the answers. Right. Like, you know, you you figure it out, you explore, you you go to these different places. Mm -hmm. And dude, and that's one of the things that I've admired about you your whole career, man. I rem I still remember exactly where we were living when you first sent me beats. And, <laughs> and like and I remember opening the file up and listening to everything. And I was like, yo, this dude's different. You know what I mean? And yeah. then, like later on, uh, seeing you in DC at the um, the Red Bull beat battle, um, that's the one that I think Algorithm won that night. Uh, yes. He beat yeah. uh, Best Kept Secret, yes. but you were in the semifinals. I can't yeah, against, against Best Kept Secret. Yeah, yeah. But like, what was dope? Because I think on surface level, people who would have heard your production or been familiar with your production would not have expected to see you in a beat battle. <laughs> not really expected. Right, because it's 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 because your stuff is a, a bit more left, right? right. And left, right? Um, but anyway. <laughs> um, but like, I, but I truly believe when watching that whole battle top to bottom, part of the reason why your stuff advanced as far as you did is because it was different. Everybody came, you know, kind of going for these big beats that right. like boom bap or kind of slow real. And then yo, and you were just like, man, here's this beat, it's like 110, 120 beats. <laughs> like this, like really kind of be, uh beautiful, like either old type of sample in it. Yeah, yeah it was funny. Yeah, you know, one of the things I'll never forget it when I battled him. He was like into himself, like the whole Monica. I'm like, what are we shooting? Like, uh, uh, what was it? The Eminem movie uh, that you know he like would lose yourself in eight miles. Like, what is it? eight, eight miles part two? Because the dude looked at me and did the whole slit your throat thing. I'm like, first off, this is a rainbow beat. Like, this ain't the hood. Like, we in U <laughs> Street had just started being real gentrified. I'm like, bro, this ain't it. Like, yeah. Um, and then. I'm thinking back to you, like one of the best pieces of advice you gave me, you were like, I sent you some beat way early on. Yeah. And you were like, yo, I like it, but I need the drums to knock a little bit more. And I was, and I always took that to heart. I was like, yo, I really need to get my drums knocking. Like, Kevin and all of them were like that too. They're like, Kyle, we like your stuff, but you need to do this and that. So I'm like, I said, I was a sponge, man. I learned, uh, I took what people said to me and I employed that. And I, you know, it wasn't like, butthurt about it because i was like yo these are like dudes i respect so if they say i'm gonna i'm gonna take it and really apply it so thank you for that too and i, I listen man I feel, I feel you i think i think it's all of our job right like we are we're all blessed to like hopefully get to break bread and spend some time right. with people, stuff we admire and like uh every time i've had that opportunity to to be around people who i looked up to and respected they just always got gems. So anytime someone compliments me on my flow, instantly I'm like, man, you can thank you can thank uh, uh, Chip Fu from Fushnickens. Right. Oh, yeah, I can remember sitting in my manager's truck with Chip Fu because they went to high school together, 
and he listened to a couple of tracks from me and was like, here are some pointers, right? Wow. So like me using my singing voice a bit more. That Flo Brown, uh, who was on the Hurricane soundtrack. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, she was the first one to point it out. I was like, yo, you need to sing more, yo. You need to wow. sing more. So Ty really kind of took me under his wing and was just like, bro, like, you know, bring those vocals up. Stop right. trying, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he would know. I mean, Kokai, yeah, yeah, but those people, man, people like Tone Deaf and, and so many others, man, just so many gems. And I think we're all blessed to to be around people who care enough to see to see the potential there and be like, yo, these adjustments, yo, like, yeah. you know, that's how we all grow, you know? Exactly. You're right about that. So, you know, now that we're, you know, fully into 2021 and, and seeing what the transitions that are going on in the music industry and especially this year for so many artists because the pandemic weren't able to, to tour right, right. and travel in, the, in the, the traditional sense where do you see the music industry going in the future i mean it, it's interesting because i've seen all these platforms arise from people doing stuff on twitch i saw now bandcamp has like the built-in live stream which is great it's with the virtual uh, what merch table i'm like dude this yeah. is awesome go anywhere <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. I'm <not> um, again. <laughs> so I, I think I think that's awesome having that option because some things happen in life where unfortunately like something might happen you might not be able to get to certain people and now you have that option but at the same time I think man uh, I was talking to Megan Rand about this I was like man the first time because I asked him, I was like, has anyone contacted you? He's like, we got asked to be about booking for a convention in December. And I was like, wow, it's just crazy to think. I was like, I told him, I was like, man, the first time I get on stage with you, I might even cry. I was like, just because That's you know, right. it's been it's been it's it's been not having not having that human contact. Like I miss talking to people in person. As you can tell, you know, I like to talk a lot. So like like whether it be teaching people, yeah, well, I, you know. <laughs> I, I miss that human interaction and I think we all need it. And um I'm I'm just thankful that I've been home somewhat accessible. Like my wife is here, my daughter's here. Like for those that live feel like living alone, and I talk to some people, I'm like, as much as it looks cool, like oh I'm by myself, I can get so much done. You still need that interaction. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I think now it's the best of both worlds. You have obviously I want venues to reopen and be able to do stuff. But now it's nice to know that for, for your fans who you might not be able to do a West Coast run, you can do a West Coast exclusive show in Bandcamp and have the virtual merch table. Like that's awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. So no, I think it's a great idea. I think I think having that, you know, having that option because you you have right. some people that will welcome to going out. And then you have some that are like, ah, I'll pass. Mm -hmm. And then right. you know, when you're on stage, you you are receiving as much as you're giving. You know, you right. get energy so that you can perform and when yeah. you don't have that when you're looking through screens it's, it's not the same but yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like you have been experimenting alone like doing this research right. all of this stuff and when you go out into the world and you stand you're brave enough right to get on that stage in front of these people like what you're hoping to receive is confirmation right mm -hmm. like you know, I'm trying to give you something, and I think this is something you want to receive, right. but you're still waiting for that confirmation. And once you get it, man, it's yeah, it it's, doesn't very few things like that feeling. You know what I mean? Have, has anyone reached out to you about booking? I mean, like I'm sure you know for like the fall or the winter, like doing anything in person. Um, no, nah, not so much. Like the the only folks. Um, it's funny people been hitting me up to teach more than anything else. Um, and I, I've recently just had to tell a few folks, like, I have no interest in teaching the craft side of it anymore. Right, right. My focus is strictly on teaching the business because, right. it, you know, the craft itself is subjective at this point, right? right, I, right. I'm not going to sit up here and argue with people younger than me and try to tell them <laughs> that like is wrong, right? right like, right. you know, it's, I, I feel like we lose we lose so much in that exchange. So I don't even bother entertaining it anymore. So like, but when I walk in there and talk business, I mean, regardless to them not knowing who I am, like once they kind of see my credentials and do some research and they see what I've managed to do without being a big name, right. you know, they're like, yeah, okay, I'm ready to receive whatever you got to say because right. I'm able to do this 
be able to provide for a family of four and that's all and solely doing this yeah there's something that i can learn from you and so people just seem ready to receive that um especially too we getting older man so i'm up here right. teach like 10 year olds how to put hair in my face they're looking at me crazy so <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah man but um but yeah it's been more on the teaching side less of the performance um there, there's been like a couple whispers here and there but um but yeah and, I, and i'm real good, bro i'm really good with this virtual too Right. So, so hey, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Right. Man, look, yeah. and so I'm I am excited about the potential of performing um on stage again, but yeah, I'm good. See, I think that's awesome because now you can say, Hey, you know what wh what are you gonna do to get me out of my house? Because I can do what I you know, like people are gonna have to come with the you know, they're gonna have to come with the yeah yeah but but that i adopted that mentality because of funky dl like when when i went and stayed with him in london right and and that's what he said he was like listen fam if they're not <laughs> if this isn't covered they're not paying this I, I make x amount of dollars in my home he's like yo like this is how much i make a day at home oh, wow. so if i'm gonna leave my home i need to make more than this right otherwise i can stay home and when right. he said that to me, I was like, dog, say less. That listen, wow. I adopted that mentality. We started our company, was it two months after me staying with him? Yeah. That's like, crazy. So much from that brother, man. Wow. Field trip. Field trip. <laughs> well, before we before we wrap up, the, the last question I want to have I have for you is mm -hmm. you know, being a multi-talented artist such as yourself, right? Thank you. You, you teach. <laughs> You are a sound engineer, you provide sound design, you produce, you DJ. If you could only choose one. Mm. Oh man, uh, music, I guess the music composition or music production, that's like what I came in. I really wanted to be like the, the I guess the fifth, fourth member of the UMA. Like I really was like, there's gonna be JD, Q-Tip, Alicia Heat and me. And then of course Tribe disbanded like my sophomore year or freshman year Howard. I was like, no, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I I really wanted, I really love music. Even, even now, if we finish, like, I get back to working for Vice, but I'm like scoring uh, this this new podcast they're doing based in hip hop in Korea. I'm like, how cool is that? Like, so like, this is my day job. Like, so uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, that would be the skill I would keep. I like engineering. I like, doing sound design more for visual stuff now um that's been great too but i think yeah with the one skill that got me into this was like making it used to be making beats now i just say it's composing uh music or, or scoring like that's really where my heart's at so that will be the one thing i gotta keep from all the other aka's and and, and things you add on to my name and, and my and my master's degree you ain't taking that away right I put some money and some, some time into that shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, thank you so much, Joe. Thank you for taking this on my busy schedule. You know, we're so appreciative, so. No, thank you all for having me. And I, I again, I'm, I'm not trying to, I think you all got, I, I love just hearing you all talk. Y'all got like the coolest voices. Uh, yeah. I've been saying that, like y'all know that, but I mean, on top of that, I think what you all are doing um, and what you all present as a unit, I think is just something that people should aspire to, to, to emulate, you know what I mean? So keep doing it. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it, man. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate it, man. But yeah, so, hey, everybody, we appreciate everyone for tuning in, whether you're watching on YouTube or uh, or Facebook Live. Thank you so much for tuning in. And um, definitely, if you have not liked subscribe to the channel um or any of those things please make sure you do that obviously if you're on your facebook uh go ahead like that and if you're on youtube go ahead subscribe to the channel and like yeah, this sure. video but uh kyle once again thank you make sure um if you all haven't followed this brother as well please do that too we go ahead and get that social media info right about now um but yeah please follow him on all platforms and man we're looking forward to uh Seeing you in person at some point, brother. Yeah, hopefully, I don't know. Maybe uh, next, uh, not blur. Well, I don't know. Who knows? But soon. Let's just say soon. Right. Uh, yeah, for sure. Soon yeah. is safe. I want to be yeah, safe. Yes. Soon is safe. That's that part. Yeah, that part. No doubt. 
Awesome. All right. But we will catch you all in two weeks. All right. And uh, we'll be posting information about our next guest very soon. All right. All so, right. Peace, peace, everybody. Thanks for listening to Artistry, where art meets industry. This podcast has been brought to you by Substantial Art Music. For more information, please visit www.subartmusic.com. You can also follow us on social media at Subart Music. We'll see you soon. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.